If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. move and the bunny gets it can you hear that scratching my head ah good scalp scratch episode 152 of make a move and the bunny gets it my favorite podcast and it ought to be yours too don't you think uh steve's here with me it's night time for me 10p in bc british columbia and in Britain, in london the capital of this galaxy is staying at six in the absolute bastard morning for you, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's all right, though. It's what time I like to get up. I like to get up. At, yeah. I like to get up at five, actually, and uh, get an ice bath and then um, run ice. half a marathon. Um, the Iron back Man. home, breakfast, do some weights. Um, because yeah. you know, the early bird doesn't just catch the worm, he catches the yeah. day. Yes, yes. And then you must be absolutely knackered then by about seven. Oh, exhausted, yeah. Yeah, well, you know. Nearly lost several jobs just wanting, just having a little nap and sleeping past. You know, yeah, past. yeah, snoozing. Yeah, you, you're uh, you're full of the same kind of bullshit that powers Jordan Peterson. You know? Well, you know, I don't want to talk a lot of baloney and hooey, but sure, I'm up at two in the A. I do a bunch of kettlebell presses, and then I'm ready to, to, you know, fight the good fight on the intellectual dark web. Wow. Intellectual dark web? That sounds made up. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Uh, <laughs> we're not talking about fake old tough guys today um, wearing silly suits. We're talking about Notorious B.I.G., mm-hmm. the greatest rapper in the world ever. And his album, Ready to Die, which is an absolute work of almost... We've we've brushed up against artistic perfection on this podcast, if I can call it that. You know, we taught Effex Assist. We taught Godfather 1 and 2. Maradona. We taught, and we taught beautiful Diego Armando, yes. Um, yeah, I was, you know, I was listening to this and my first reaction was, what the fuck is this album? Um, because it's simply a staggering work of art, isn't it? Absolutely is. And the thing is with um, with music, I'm going to sound like a bit of a dick for a couple of minutes if you'll just indulge me. Um, but I, th- I feel like music, um, especially your own personal favourite album, be it, be it Notorious B.I.G., uh, be it, Spice Girls or Oasis mm. or 
101 greatest hair rock albums. Um, Brilliant. Uh, I mean, if it is Mumford and Sons, then please, you know, stay away from me and everyone I love. But me. other than like very, 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 very few examples, I feel like it's fair enough and you should hold that dear. And I don't think anyone's truly, truly themselves until they're listening to their favorite album alone in a room mm. somewhere. Um, but I feel, I feel like, uh, music can sort of like, it picks you, you don't really pick music. I think it's, it, it, it vibes with something in your DNA and I, it's very inexplicable. I don't know why, but, um, as a sort of white working class, uh, young lad from Manchester that grew up in the suburbs, I really connected with, um, a big, fat guy with a lazy eye from New York that mm-hmm. rapped about his uh, crack selling days. Um, yeah. And for whatever reason, this uh, is my favorite album of all time. It's my go-to album. Wonderful. It's my, it, it does, it's everything for me. This album, it does everything for me. It gets me in a good mood, gets me when I'm in a bad mood. And it mm-hmm. just, um, it, it just really, 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 really love this album. Really love it. Yeah. Because it's perfection, like you say. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, um, you know, what can you say? that This episode might be a bit of a difficult, in, in a strange way, the more we love works of art that we talk about on the pod, I find it, like Wayne's World, I found it a little difficult to talk about that because it's like, uh, you know, I live on a mountain, a lovely, beautiful mountain, and it's hard to talk about the mountain because I live on it, you know, and it's the great, you know, it's the land underneath my feet. And when I step out, it's the air that I breathe, you know, and that's what art is, right? And art always wins in the end. Um, and, uh, the only, you know, as we said, as I said before, the only test that a piece of art has to pass is the test of time. And anyone who's ever listened to this album, Notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die, listen to it again and tell me that this album has not passed the test of time. It's it's unbelievable how good this album sounds 30 years after it came out. Um, and I know you can't say, like, who's the best rapper and that, but Biggie's the best rapper, really. I mean, like, the stuff he does, the styles that he's able to bounce around and between... Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's peerless, really, and his flow, his rhythm, whether he's very conversational, very quiet, very laid back, or whether it's very amped up, very, and you know, very aggressive, or it's very emotional, he can do everything. Um, and what was he twenty two when he made this album, or something like that? I mean, it's yeah. perverse, really. Um, and that's when you get, you know, there is a question about. And I don't want to go too far into Jordan Peterson realm because beware anyone on the internet who talks about genius too much because really they want you to think they're a genius. Uh, well, you know, um, but if there you is say so, <laughs> that's a bunch of baloney. Um, I don't know why, but I think Jordan Peterson is just so funny to give him like 1950s kind of speak, you know. <laughs> well, I was listening to the tranny last night. Sure, the god, the god. The gold darn Everly brothers came on. Oh, geez, I hate those guys. Um, yeah, you know, genius and where genius comes from. And is it is it earthborn? 
Does it come from a higher power or a creator of some kind? I don't know. But whatever it is, Biggie has it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. Christopher Wallace has it. Um, no, he does. He does. He has, and his his presence is just insane. And it's it's never been sort of. I don't think anyway um, that it's ever been uh, rivaled, particularly in hip hop, since um, a lot of people, uh, purists and everything, were and they they're well within their rights. Well, well, well within their rights to argue that like uh, Rakim or Big Daddy Kane or Big L or KRS One. Or uh, Slick Rick are the greatest of mm. all time. That's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. But for me, Chubby. it's 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 uh, Biggie all day long. Is because he he brought something completely new to the rap game. And like I said, it's not really been. I don't think any anyone's sort of um, come close to doing what he did. He. Mm. I think because of his like Jamaican sort of roots and everything, um, and the fact that he used to go holiday, he used to go holiday in Jamaica, um, mm. and his uh, his uncle Dave used to take him to sort of like these sort of reggae gigs kind of thing, and mm. his his uncle Dave would like MC, and I don't know if you've ever seen like Jamaican MCs, but it's very sort of like they just sort of get on the mic and like talk in an accent, and it's very um, sort of. Uh, like bigging yourself up and all that kind of thing. And, you know, yeah. it's cool and that. Um, but he, he saw that from when he was like very little. And then it, so he had that and he had like, he, but he could sing like soul music as well at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he could, he could rap and he was like, um, what was the guy's name? Um, yeah. So, um, cause he, he, he lived in Bed-Stuy in, uh, in Brooklyn and, uh, he lived on a, a place called Clinton Hill. And basically it was one of those areas at the time he was living there where, uh, it was starting to, it was like a sort of a really poor, but like creative hub kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like one of those that sprouts up, but there's like suddenly loads of talented musicians around. And, um, there was a guy that lived in on his block called, uh, Don- Donald Harrison, who was a jazz musician. Um, and uh, apparently, according to his mates, Biggie noticed that he was like bringing home like diff- like women all the time and everything. And uh, it was like, and like thirteen year old Biggie was like, oh, "Why? Oh, why? Oh, a bit of that? What's he doing then?" Right. Um, Fancy some of that. Look at that. A different bit of skirt every night of the week, and wah! sometimes twice on fucking Sundays. Oh, sign me up, highway man. I'm in for that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and. Um, yeah, and this this guy basically uh, they work just just go around and sort of jam with him, or whatever. But working with him, they he um, he was putting down lyrics to a jazz snare drum, and they worked out a style like when he was like that young of sort of emphasizing certain words and beats, and but doing it along with the uh, with the jazz snare drum. That's why Biggie's flow sounds so unique. Um, mm. because he didn't really, his roots don't really, uh, he wasn't just trying to do some sort of run DMC stuff or any like East side stuff that was at the time. He wasn't just sort of the next phase in that. He was just something completely new altogether. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And like you say, yeah, there's such that, that kind of bounty and you've touched on that, that the, the Caribbean, um, background, um, the jazz influence, because, yeah, there is such, you know, bounce to Biggie's flow as a rapper. Um, and, you know, most rappers have 
a handful of tricks or a handful of cadences or, you know, different, you know, Mm -hmm. different, uh, different routines or different modes. But with Biggie, I mean, it's hard to keep up really. And it's not, you know, other rappers are more showy. Um, You look at late latter day Eminem, who is a great Mm. technical rapper, but it's a much more showy, even compared to his earlier stuff. Let me pack in as many syllables, you know, overwhelm you kind of with uh, with um with bars or bars as they say oh you've got so many bars you m and m oh my god it's hard to keep up with all the bars you've got there love um oh fuck off I you that <laughs> 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 um, um but yeah like you said that jazz, i'm glad you br- you brought in that jazz influence it, it reminds me of one of my favorite heavy metal bands that's ever done it is the great foundational black sabbath from mm. Birmingham or Rhodes. Um, and Bill Ward, um, his, he had some kind of jazz and big band like, um, training or in growing up, like, you know, he listens to those records. And I don't know, I'm not a musicologist, but the, the jazz um, element is really strong in Black Sabbath. Um, mm. There's a song on the album, Paranoid Fairies Wear Boots, where Bill Ward says, I was just, nobody realised it, but I was just playing a big bend, you know, rhythm. It goes, and I didn't play Of course, yeah. You know. <laughs> it really is, yeah. Uh, great song, yeah. Um, and so... A bigger point to touch on here, which is one of the reasons why black forms of music are so dominant um, in today's culture and have been for, you know, 30 years now with hip hop um, is that they syncretize and they amalgamate so many different forms of music. Um, You look at I'm Ready to Die with the Isley Brothers sample for Big Popper, which is one of the many like greatest songs on this album. You know, I put that up there with like sexual healing and, you know, any Barry White, any James Brown, any, any, any love song you can, great love song you think of. And you have Curtis Mayfield on the, the intro song to this album. You get that, the the story yeah. of kind of Christopher Wallace from birth to becoming Biggie. You have um, Curtis Mayfield in there. There's a Snoop Dogg song that's late, later on. So all the time, hip hop artists and producers are really waving really obvious flags to say, this is where this has come from, mm-hmm. or this is what I'm talking to. And that's one of the things that I find so fucking thrilling about hip hop is that it c- contains the entire histories of black and white music within them. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's a very long point to just say that it's well good. And uh, and like you say, Biggie encompasses so many things. You say there's the jazz influence, the Caribbean influence. Um, but underneath it all, you know, it's the same thing with the Beatles. We can talk about the Beatles all day, but the reality is the Beatles just wrote and performed songs better than everyone else. Yes. And that's what Biggie's doing here, isn't he? He's just yeah. writing and performing rap better than anyone else, right? He's just the best. He is, he is. I mean, uh, we spoke about Eminem uh, last month and yeah. Marshall Mothers, and now that was our gateway. And this was what Eminem brought me as a gateway into, Yeah. Um, was seeking out more hip-hop basically and this is yeah. where it's and i and my two favorite hip-hop albums of all time are this uh, ready to die and this is my one um and um uh, new york state of mind as well and that's uh, mm-hmm. the, the two um that again 
there's loads of uh, there's uh, what I love about hip hop is that um and people get a bit sort of like they get very defensive and you know they, it gets a bit pamp for sometimes pamp for man sometimes about are oh, you like don't you like Smith and Wesson and you and you're like yes yes no they're fine they're fine but like you say because it's so eclectic hip hop and there's so many different eras of it as well. Um, for me, this is the nineties is my favorite era. Um, mm-hmm. and Naz and Biggie, they have something, they have a rawness. Uh, it's the clicks and the hisses and it's the, there's a rawness to everything that it just, it really, when you listen to it, uh, especially in the York state of mind, it really puts you in so you, you feel like you're in a car in a city with a with it at night time basically yeah uh when you're there i used to listen to this when i do my paper round in the mornings and, and stuff like that mm-hmm. and when when there was like it was like complete darkness and i was on my own and i was just walking on the streets like you know shoving paper into strangers houses and that yeah. um <laughs> and um yeah it's it I, th- I think when i think as well i think it helps when you've Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. When you start listening, when you hear stuff in your formative years, basically after 13 years old, I think you're never your truer self than you are in your in your teens to a degree. Um, yeah. As far as like feeling things and openness and perceptive and, and stuff Definitely. like that is. And I think that um, when we get older, that's why the, the remnants of it is always, always within our music, always within our music. By the time we're in our forties, we have many different points of view that have changed for our life. But our yeah. favorite album is still our favorite album from, from when we're like 15 years old. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And I think the, um, like I said, we've ready to die. Um, I, it's a lot of people like um it's mad when people still say it because it, i'm just like are you for fucking real when people uh if i'm playing like like music like i used to at work and stuff like that, people people are like why just an angry music it's like yeah i'm like, what do you mean and it's it's like hip-hop it's a bit gangster in it and all this kind of like i like it, like it sounds like i made that up but no people genuinely still say shit like that and it's it's stuff like yeah but i mean do you, do you think that I think that, like, what do you mean by that? Like, do you think that I have to be from New Jersey uh, to enjoy Sopranos? And do you think I have to have grown up on the streets of Beemore to, like, mm-hmm. enjoy The Wire or, or whatever like that? Yeah. It's, it's it's just something that speaks to you. It's, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're from or, like, it, it's, like, yes, I, I understand that I, um, 
that I'm I didn't go through the experiences that he's going through, but then you don't have to to enjoy it, kind of thing. Um, and, and I think that's uh, that's what um, that's what the beauty is with with um, with Biggie in in this album is that it it um, um, what's the word? It just um, as somebody that grew grew up at like the peak of the American Empire sort of thing mm-hmm. uh, in the eighties and nineties with all their propaganda with the Bruckheimer films and everything that was saying how great America was. By the time I was in my teens, I was ready to not hear that shit anymore. Oh. And I think when um, when you first hear big, because it's mad that um, it was only it was only like ninety seven. I think he died, Biggie, and yeah. I think it. When I start when I started to pick up hip hop, it was like five years later, I think. And for me, the difference between thirteen and nine years old is about the same length of time as me being thirty six to thirteen. Like I don't know why, but when you're thirteen yeah. and you look back as a kid, you, it seems like a fucking another lifetime ago. But at the time, yeah, it was only like five. It was only like five or six years after this album came out that I started listening to hip hop, so it was still quite fresh. Um, and I, yeah, and I, I it was. Anything that sort of critique that um, Eminem or Nas or Biggie that were like, I was ready to hear it basically after having a childhood of America fuck yeah kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's, um, you know, we, in many ways we live with uh, the remnants, with the detritus of baby boomer culture, you know, and not to just give a shoe into baby boomers, you know, uh, but one of the things, one of the cultural um, facets of the baby boomer era is count the counterculture, you know, from you know from the nineteen fifties on into the nineteen sixties. You know, we we kind of generally agree that this kind of uh, these cultural movements crossed over in the late nineteen sixties. Think nineteen sixty eight, widespread race riots and civil unrest, injustice. Um, across the United States and across in, in continental Europe and obviously and shit going on all over the world. Um, but hip-hop is permanent counterculture. Hmm. Uh, and that I find fascinating. And also the thing that hip-hop at its best is critiquing or is commenting on is capitalism. You know, it's like it's big picture thinking told through ultra hyper local storytelling yes yeah. who the fuck wouldn't love that you know like yeah. listening to naz talk about the fucking queensboro bridge i've never even googled it to look at it no, exactly. i must have heard him say it about five thousand times <laughs> the amount of stuff that naz says is under the queensboro bridge you know um uh so I know is it Salvador Dali or Picasso who said, you know, the artist has to be hyper local. Um, and again, going back to the Godfather, telling this story about Sicily and about the military industrial complex, but really it's a story about Francis Ford Coppola's mad uncle getting pissed at a wedding when he was a kid and his memory of that, you know, like the, the, the way that master rappers, poets, storytellers like Biggie, what they do is like, Biggie's able to put all those pieces together um, and to tell stories that are incredibly direct and incredibly um, can be quite 
difficult diving into sight. And that's another thing about hip hop is deep psychological complexity through storytelling. You know, if this was some public school 19th century poet, we'd all be falling over one another to make BB, but to make the pole darks about it, the great pole darks of our day. You know, but this isn't Paul Dark. It's like you say, a big lad with a lazy eye who sold crack from Brooklyn. Um, and um, gangster rap, you know, is, is a particular form of and covering a lot of ground here. But the thing about gangster rap that's so interesting is it's so um, uncompromising. Mm-hmm. And people like Biggie are a latter day example. Gangster rap kind of post biggie gets a bit weird because the stars are bigger and you you get into it now in the 21st century hip-hop is so dominant as an art form and so entrenched that it's um it's a different kind of kettle of fish but someone like freddie gibbs who's one of my favorite current rappers that my mate sped got me into some years ago thanks mate um what these people do is they give you everything um and that and biggie is the the most amazing example of that because in in one verse he'll talk about battering someone without remorse he'll talk about out being out shagging every night yeah and he'll talk about being under intense stress because he has a child and he's a drug dealer and he's not getting along with his mum and he doesn't have much money you know that's what gangster rap is gangster rap gives you everything from the back room of the club to skid row yeah, you know, this is like Sopranos, no right? Better example than Biggie. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, it's like father, son, husband. Sopranos. Yeah. Biggie's doing it all. Fuck David Chase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think as well, it's that um, it's the sort of the culmination. Um, obviously, um, this is applicable to um, Black America, really. Um, in in these stories that that he's basically telling, and you know, props to uh, Sean Puffy Combs or mm. P Diddy, as he's known as well, for sort of the production on this, uh, and Easy Mo B uh, and others that sort of told this cinematic story because it is like it's listening, it's like listening to a film. It's um, you know, and it's about again the sort of it. It's about what happens when you enslave a race of people for hundreds of years and then sort of give them, um, you know, a level of freedom and eventually keep ushering them and ushering them into these concrete reservations, as the song goes. And, um, you know, they uh, over the years, you know, black people, they, they try to find their way in. They try to, they try to, you know, bobbing and weaving to try and get in there. And, you know, by the end of it, it's like still no dice. And then this, and like Biggie's saying, this is what you, the result is basically, you know, um, you've got man. I'm, I'm basically, he's basically born in Brooklyn, New York. He's ba- he, he stare, he's probably staring out at Manhattan every day. Same as like Nazis where he gets to see all these like white guys that are like cutting corners, doing whatever the fuck, you know, you're Bernie Madoffs and everything else, just sort of making insane amount of money, doing whatever they need to do, hustling on Wall Street. And there's no way, way in for them. Um, and they're in the, some of the, you've got the most richest people with, with the most poorest areas on the periphery, just looking up at that. And the richest people who are fueled by cocaine and completely fine to do so, nudge nudge wink wink as long as i don't find out by the by the authorities kind of thing um while you've got 
um, in these poorer areas, the exact same drug processed differently in crack being slung on the streets and people getting handed out ridiculous, like insane sort of sentences and the violence that comes with it, you know, uh, from the NYPD, but also with each other just trying to survive. I mean, obviously the wire touches on all that kind of stuff of like teenage kids uh, being sort of seduced and exploited in the drug trade. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, you know, um, but at the end of the day, the, it's 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 survival for, for these people. And that's what Biggie's saying on the album. And that's why he called it Ready to Die. He was like, I'm not actually ready to die. I just feel like I want to, basically, because yeah. he's lived about 300 lifetimes in the time, by the time he got to 22. Um, and um, yeah, you feel all that. You feel the weight of it in his voice, in his flow, in his sort of like his confrontation with you. Um, and it's, it's just, it's like you say for someone 22 to produce something so complex and nuanced and with so many different emotions and styles and it's, it's just so good. It's so, so unbelievably good. Um, you think straight away from the foot for, from the intro, like you say, from sort of, um, there was supposed to be Biggie being born to, um, to uh, m- to modern day Biggie at the time, um, yeah, his upbringing I, and his yeah, yeah. giving a little flavour of all the kind of sharp edges that his life has had to pass along. Yeah. yeah, and then to and then it goes into things been changed and the drums and the song and everything that that song said. It's just such a perfect start. It's it's so good and like I said, the jazz. Cause you hear the drums. The, like going back to the jazz drum, the the first mm-hmm. thing you hear on the album musically. Um, other than the, the music's in the background of the first, the intro, the skit is uh, the first proper track, the first biggie track is Things Done Changed and it's those drums, those drums kicking. Ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom. Um, and yeah, you, you, you're, you're sold, you're in, you're right there, you're right fucking there. Um, yeah, the, the, and you know, a, a great album is, is born out through great sequencing and uh, the fact that, you know, you, you bury juicy at track 10 in this album you know people talk you know we used to have this conversation about hip-hop being offensive uh don't talk about that anymore but you know that used to be so you know tabloid sensations and all this stuff the only thing offensive about this album is is the fact that juicy is at track 10 because you're already so punch drunk from how good the fucking album is from one more chance and from warning i mean and then you get to juicy which is on an album of hits is is a standout you know and we are and everyone agrees now and again the great the reason why we love art is because we we can agree on the great things this album on the beatles on you know whatever um uh but yeah i mean there's a point in this ep where we can just kind of trade favorite songs and lyrics and stuff but one regret i have is that um, when I texted you to say I've sent you the link ready to go for the app, I sent you at five thirty-seven a.m. If I'd have waited to five forty-six a.m., then you could have woken up and said, "Who the fuck is this? What's happening me at five forty-six in the morning?" Crack of dawn. I mean, the opening to warning that the, oh, just unbelievable. Um, it's almost a shame that it's 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 not a novelty song. I'm not saying it's a novelty song, but. It, I don't know. I just want that song to go on forever because the beat is so good on that song. And I just want it to be about everything. (laughs) 
it's um yeah one is so good one one is and um i think that, that well I, I think as well like i like i was saying earlier this um the album it it gets me for whatever mood i want if i'm if i'm yeah. feeling sort of pissed off or whatever then things done changed and give me the loot and machine gun funk they're they're right there for you um yeah. and if if i feel really if if i'm feeling shitty or whatever there's like super suicidal thoughts there's yeah, uh, you know incredible. Uh, like you say warning and stuff and um and like again when he wrote suicidal thoughts it, it wasn't it's like it's not there to be suicidal thoughts it's there to say ah oh, just fucking enough with today yeah. just enough yeah um and when he did ready to die um easy more b said he came out of the uh the the booth at the studio and uh he, apparently easy more b went you know, you just said, um, fuck your mom on the record. And, and Biggie was like, yeah, I know. I know. It's just at the moment. I'm just like, <laughs> it's just the way I'm feeling at the moment. And, um, that's the thing with this album is, um, it, cause he was on the street while he was doing this. He was like, it was, it was done in parts here and there. He got, he was getting a little bit sort of like, as, as artists do, like, um, P, like P Diddy and that was like, no, no, stick with us, stick with us. It's going to take a while, but you just need to stick with us kind of thing. Um, and, um, like Easy Moby, the producer was saying that, um, like Biggie and his mates would be on the corner still like sort of like hustling while they were making the album and he would drive around in his car and he'd get them to, he'd, he'd like, all right, all right, let's jump in, jump in, let's go for a drive. He was like, I'd just take him to for a drive just to get him off the fucking corner, basically. Because mm. he was like, he knew that the fucking talent he had, and he was like, but this could just so easily just turn one night on its head and this album will never get fucking made, yeah. basically. Um, so, yeah, so he'd, like, he'd scoop him up and him and his mates and that and just take him for a drive and just chat, chat with him and see how it was going and, and shit like that. Um so there is a lot of love made in this album and you can tell, and there's also as well, it's Biggie putting everything on the line because he wanted to make it as well. Uh, yeah. Like I'm talking about make it like as in get out of like Clinton Hill and everything where he was from yeah. and just sort of get his piece of the pie kind of thing. And again, it's, yeah. you, you, you feel that you feel that he's, that he's had enough and this is it. This is it. Um, but also as well, songs like um, friend of mine, and Big yeah. Papa and One More Chance that they, they yeah. um they they've always been there for me as well. They friend of mine particularly. Um when I'm fucking on June, I'm invincible. Uh, all that can mitigate any Catholic guilt I ever had of having a one night stand. So well done for that, Biggie. Thank you very much. I know that he went to Catholic school also, so oh, yeah. um to to write a song such as that, thank you very much. Um so yeah, yeah, it's got it's got everything. I fucking like love this album. One more chance that um that uh Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, guitar. Do, do, do. Dude. Mm. And the opening line when it comes to sex, I'm similar to the thriller. The thriller in the middle. Middle. <laughs> just call me bigger. The condom filler. I mean, it's just, 
like just the little bits of texture and stuff and like you say um the the production is great um yeah it's it's it's, stuff the space you know there's lots of space between things because like you say biggie is the star of the of the record um Another offensive point is not only that Juice is at track 10, but then it's followed by Everyday Struggle, which I, d- I can't say a favourite song, but I mean, Everyday Struggle is just beyond perfection. I- I've said it before on the pod, but maybe the greatest opening line to any song ever. I know how it feels to wake up fucked up. Um, th- just is perfect. And then it goes, Pockets Broke Us Out, Another Rock to Sell. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, <clears throat> it's uh, incredible. And, and as you said, man, that, you know, it's often the case that the the artist's first statement is the definitive one. Um, not because necessarily, and with Biggie, obviously we don't know because he was, he was murdered at such a young age. Um, and again, that's something that we're all just kind of okay with. Yeah. Well, yeah. People in hip hop just get killed all the time. You look at, look at uh, your man from uh, Migos who just got shot like a month ago, killed a month ago. It is, it's madness, especially in, in this case as well. It's fucking scandalous, really, because again, this, his murder's never been solved, which is just, uh, can you imagine if someone pulled up at a red light and put fucking six bullets in Frank Sinatra? You imagine how, yeah. how, how the, the fucking swarm that the would have been. Cavity searches oh taking place. <laughs> yeah, totally. All blue eyes, yeah. chairman of the board. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, What's but the, yeah, because. The Chris Rock be, thing, the government hates rap. Biggie was killed outside a fucking Mike Tyson fight. 30,000 <laughs> motherfuckers walking down the strip. <laughs> yeah. It is, it's absolutely shocking. And it's basically because, like you say, rap is a critique of capitalism. And it, this sound, this is, it sounds like it's veering into conspiracy theory land, but it's not. It's not. Explain. Give me another reason as to why that this murder was unsolved, or the shoulder, shr- the giant fucking shoulder shrug that has followed, preceded the years since of who shot Biggie and Tupac. Um, it's either be like uh, for for general public, like the reason the reason seem to be uh, you know fuck them, didn't like the music. That seems to be sort of the, their main issue. And it is fucking scandalous, absolutely scandalous that that's never been solved or really looked into or anyone gave a fuck. It's almost like, well, you hear what you used to rap about, kind of fucking deserved it really, didn't you? <laughs> that seems to be the sort of uh, yeah. the line of thinking. And it's mad, it's mad. Like if if you ever heard P. Diddy talk about that, that whole um, thing between him and Tupac and everything, like uh, basically Tupac got shot in a recording studio in New York and through... Biggie uh, and everyone around and claims it was com- just like Chinese whispers and nonsense and gossip. But basically, it Tupac came to the um, the, the the conclusion yeah. that um, Biggie had sent someone down to shoot him at the studio, and and Biggie did. He said, like, basically, it, <laughs> from what from what I can gather, his sort of reaction to it, Biggie's was like Ray. R- like Ray Ramon in Funny People when Eminem turns on him in the restaurant when he's uh, when he's sort of sat on the other side of the restaurant and uh, Eminem's like who the fuck is that looking at me why why like and uh, Adam Sandler's like what Ray Ray Ramon and he's like yeah why why the fuck is Ray looking at me and he starts shouting across the restaurant like confrontationally offering out Ray Ramon and Ray Ramon's like what's going on what's happening <laughs> that's basically what Biggie's reaction was to him suddenly being accused of shooting Tupac like. 
P Diddy was like, we thought it was like some marketing thing that we didn't get the memo on or something. Right, and yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. he was like, what the fuck is everyone going on about all of a sudden? And um, I think Biggie's biggest uh, sort of crime was um, the naivety of the situation because he went out to LA to after Tupac got shot again and dead this time, deadened. Um, Biggie went out to LA to sort of try and smooth things over but in, in a show of support and that's when he ended up getting shot when he was out there kind of thing mm. so, um, yeah, Tupac was shot on the strip in Las Vegas oh, shot in Las Vegas wasn't he yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah yeah and um, and yeah it's just mad it was just this 23 year old kid who ended up just getting fucking shot for whatever reason I don't know I'm, I'm not saying it was I don't even care really about all the conspiracy theories I'm not I don't care if it was the M, if it was the fucking police, LAPD if it was the Bloods stuff, and the yeah. Crips, or if it was anyone like that. It was a fucking kid that got shot at the end of the day for basically yeah. fuck all, and um, and nobody kind of gave a fuck, um, and that's like and acted like he fucking deserved it, um, mm. which which like I say it's it's just a fucking shame, really. Um, it's rubbish because he'd only be what he'd be about fifty three. Today yeah, he'd like have made that, some you know? awful shit by now, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, definitely would have gone down the old John Johnny Rotten route of doing great butter commercials, <laughs> the great dairy magnate. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, yeah, um, it's yeah, it's it, it, it's shit, um, and it's uh, it speaks to. Um, it speaks to something, and I think you've you know you've touched on a great many things there. And like you say, we won't you know there's the the, the speculation stuff is is available for all to see online, you know, and you can uh, you can have a look at that stuff. Um, I'll tell you who he was scared of, Biggie, which because um, he, he again this album is very fearless, shows no fear, mm. um, putting everything on the line, and uh, he, he he never backed down. I never saw him like sort of back down um, in like it, whether it was in his um, his image or in an interview or anything. The one time I saw him scared was uh, <laughs> when he was being interviewed and he was going, "No, no, no, no! I'm notorious B.I.G. Don't call me Biggie Smalls anymore, please, everyone. Stop calling me Biggie Smalls. There's a guy out there, and <laughs> if you can Google now, Biggie Smalls." with smalls with a z on the end um he was like there's a guy already out there called biggie smalls he's saying he's gonna sue me he's gonna shut everything down everyone needs to stop calling me biggie smalls and if anybody listening to this can just google biggie smalls and it's biggie with Ooh. smalls with a z on the end this and look at this the chat we're talking about here Stephen. <laughs> lord and, uh, you look at the guy that Biggie was scared of. The, the Quaker Oats uh, box. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an, an LA-based rapper who worked under the name of Biggie Smalls. He looks sort of like Chesney Hawk or something. Um, yeah, yeah, he does. Or Chesney from Coronation Street. Yeah, yeah, one of the two. Uh, wow, fair enough. So Biggie had received some kind of cease and desist from yes. Tim Bigelow. Basically. Yeah, Bigelow. <laughs> Is that was that his name, Tim Bigelow? That's what it just says there. Yeah, yeah. that's what it just said on. Uh, they're they're on cruising. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Correct. It looks like sort of Lawrence Fox and Chesney Hawk and well, all rolled into Mr. one. Fox a little bit, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And that that's that's who that that's who put the fucking wind up Biggie 
Um, again, yeah. just just speaks to the thing. He grew up in fucking Bedsty, the roughest like place in New York at the time, the murder capital of of America, and um, you know it, it was this uh, a, a terrifying Aryan looking uh, kid with some lawyers well, that was, was the true threat to him. You know, I was going to say a white ginger guy with a writ. You know, um, <laughs> again. The thing, when you are a subaltern people or you are an oppressed people, you learn about your oppressors. You know, yes. it's, uh, that's what that's what uh, oppressed groups do. So watch out, uh, white devils. Um, and uh, yeah, there's also the, the the great thing about hip hop. Again, speaking generally, is you know it touches on uh, it touches on so many different themes. And one of the interesting things from kind of recent black American history that feeds into hip hop is the ghettoization of black communities mm-hmm. and then the de-ghettoization of black communities. In I guess the from the 1960s on. It's when you, uh, you, you look at something like the Watts riots in LA in 1968, mm-hmm. one of the first hip hop groups is a group called the Watts Prophets. Um, who uh, in I think 1968 1969 released uh, released their first album you know in, uh, um, embryonic hip hop or early hip hop like you know Gil Scott Heron and all those guys um, black communities when this is not a subject I'm any kind of specialist in, so I'm going to, I'm not going to speak extensively and you can look this up yourself, but there's a time when uh, there's such a thing as a, a black middle class that lives side by side with a black working class. And one of the interesting quirks of kind of late 20th century American capitalism is these communities which were quite um, which were quite tight if you were a black doctor let's say you weren't able to get a mortgage to go and live in a a, with your white doctor neighbor you would through it and I guess there's that what's that Sydney Poitier movie is it Guess Who's Coming to Dinner which kind of touches on this uh, yeah in, in that's a right great yeah way. we should um, do that on the pod do more we should Poitier. do some more plats on the pod yeah um, by kind of shackling a black middle class the Again, I'm not afraid to speak, but I'm pushing up against my own ignorance very fucking quickly here as I as I get a couple of words into this sentence. I don't know if you get an artist like Biggie Smalls at the time you get it if mm. you don't have the kind of disintegration of black communities mm-hmm. from the late 1960s on when... Um, greater social mobility for black middle classes meant that black communities were dispersed. Um, and you see this, you see this uh, among other, this is not particular to, to black communities in America. You see this in England with, with working class community, with ethnic communities. Um, and so it's, if there's a distinctness about Biggie Smalls as an artist in terms of the kind of the wider social picture, 
that differentiates him from someone like, uh, like I say, uh, from uh, Curtis Mayfield or, you know, whatever great other great black artists that he's in a continuum of. Mm-hmm. It's that. It's like you say, it's coming out of that specific um, crack cocaine era, um, uh, decimated. Um, well, anyway, I'm basically going to stop talking. But it's interesting, is all I'm saying. (laughs) I don't know what I've said, but I find whatever I have tried to say quite interesting. And I think I might do a bit more reading about it and talk about it at a later date. Um, But I guess the point to come back to is that we, I think we owe it to ourselves to think about how these hyper-local, hyper-specific art forms have become globally dominant. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and Biggie Small's the best of those, you know, among the very best of those oh, yeah. people. Oh, yeah, um, definitely. And uh, again, like the Beatles or whatever white cultural equivalents you can think of, everyone agrees that Biggie Small's is great, right? You wouldn't find a rapper who wouldn't say Biggie Small's is an influence. No, I don't think you so. You wouldn't find uh, anyone trying to knock Biggie Smalls. Or so. You may say people say he's not as great. You know, there may be gradations of whatever, but we all agree, everyone agrees Yeah, that Biggie is great from, yeah. Maybe maybe Ghostface Killer. He, he does like to take shots at pretty much everyone. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, I agree 100%. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so, it, one thing I wanted to ask you, because you're more versed in the Biggie Smalls life story than I am, mm. And um, I basically, locked, my brain left my face a couple of minutes ago. Um, <laughs> for people who want to do more of a deep dive, right, so mm. I'm really turns on by this biggie lad you've been talking about. Juicy sounds real great, like an orange or some fucking fruit like that. Um, would you recommend certain flims or certain uh, roads to go down or even other artists to kind of pick up the, the biggie thread or to learn more about, about um, biggie? Yeah, the, there's a good one on... Um on uh netflix actually uh called yeah. biggie i've got a story to tell which is um his entourage like filmed uh a lot of him when he was in his uh in his pump and in his street yeah. days there's there's some really good uh footage on there there's one where um biggie's like before before he's even got anywhere he's um having a street battle and there's, <laughs> there's like a skinny sort of like uh, there's a skinny guy with like a tinny voice who's who's battling Biggie, uh, and he's he's um, they're the stood outside like sort of some rundown buildings and everything. And there's a deep, there's a guy that's got some decks with him and that. And the sort of skinny guy's like bouncing around like with really like shit lyrics, like, uh, sort of like all cracked out and everything and 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 all this. And Biggie's just like, all right, all right, yeah, no, really good, really good. Can can you give me the microphone now? Can you give me the mic? And he's like, sort of like, Biggie's a huge fucking presence. He's, he's just like, all right, yep, no, no, really. And the skinny guy's like, no, just one more, hang on. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he keeps like backing away, backing away. And then um, Biggie finally manages to wrestle the fucking microphone off him, and um, he just he just starts going to town. And it's a perfect example of anyone that's wondering how you can tell what good hip hop is. If you think it all sounds the same, that's the perfect example of right. how it doesn't just sound all the same and how it isn't just, um, you know, kind of all the same and people just saying the same thing and everything else. And there is style, there's presence, there's 
flow there there's just the, his voice alone he sounds like he's in a studio and he's on a street corner just mm. sort of yeah. spitting whatever but um yeah that that's pretty good uh biggie i've got a story to tell that's uh that, that's pretty good it got it's got interviews with his mum easy moby um p diddy's on it um faith evans is in it his wife um yeah and that kind of goes from childhood to ready to die uh i'm not i'm not really a big fan of life after death his next album i think it's got some absolute bangers on it like hypnotize i think hypnotize is one of his best songs as well um but it's just everything's everything's laid out and ready to die and life after death sort of after he's he's made it a bit um as in made it as a as you know, in the hip hop world, not yeah. made the album. Um, the curse but, of the double album as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, what is yeah. there 30 songs on it, 35 songs on it, something like that. Yeah. A lot of people like it, but I'm just, I'm not a fan. I just think um, it's chalk and cheese from Ready to Die to Life After Death. Um, maybe, you know, if if you hadn't done Ready to Die first, I might, I might like Like After Death, but it's just because the, the first, this came first and it was just so good. Um, it's kind of the same with Nas as well. Um, I mean, you've got New York State of Mind, um, and then you've got, um, oh, what's his second one called? Is it part two? Um, uh, Nas discography. He's typing. Sorry, it nice, is it, when you listen to a podcast and someone's typing, it's just... A- oh, it was written, sorry. No, actually, it was written. It's a pretty good album, to be fair, but it's still not... Um, so I keep I said in New York State of Mind, uh, Illmatic is what what That's I meant. It's just New York State of Mind is like my favorite track on the album. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Illmatic's uh, still my. Uh, it was written as pretty good. Uh, still, Mike's not very good. Um, and um, I can't remember what my point was now, but yeah, we were talking uh, about how you can an artist can basically ruin you with perfection. It's not <laughs> yeah, fair. That's it. You know, you ruined it now. It was too good. No, that's one was too good. It was ten out of ten. This one's oh nine, nine and a half. But you fucked it now. No, I won't talk. No, I won't talk to you for the rest of the night. Yeah, I will have a brew. I will have a brew. Yeah, I have biscuits as well. Yeah, but no, then you got to leave me alone. Yeah. What do you I think of that... um, Method Man on the because one of the only pe- people to feature. Well, if not the only artist to feature. The uh, only listed feature on the album, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Method Man's great, and uh, it's so fitting that Method Man's in The Wire, because you're like, of course Method Man shows up in The Wire. That phone, he's got that Andy Serkis uh, Warner Brothers movie <laughs> yeah. phone. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. And again... Because um, uh, The What, he turns up for the, the song The What, and that is a great tune just to walk down the street to The What. It's really, yeah. uh, you can really get a bounce onto The What. It's, yeah. it's lovely. And, and classic, um, just, you know, uh, for all of the extemporizing that I've done and all the, you know, all the thinking about hip hop, sometimes you just want to hear two lads just say, oh, you're a dickhead and I'm dead smart, you're dead stupid and I'm dead clever. La, 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 la. And there's quite a bit of that on that song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, what was I going to say? No, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, being ruined by artists making things too good. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely feel I have that with, with a great many artists I like. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and, I mean, yeah. 
That's it, really. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know, other than just starting to read some of the lyrics off the album, um, which could do, and that would be quite fun. Yeah. Um, my fa- I think yeah. my favourite lyrics on the album are, um, I've got techniques dripping from my butt cheeks, I sleep on my stomach so I don't fuck up my sheets. I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's always, always stuck with me. Uh, they're not the best lyrics. They're just my favorite lyrics on the album. Yeah. One of my favorites is when he talks about, um, and it's in uh, it's in Everyday Struggle, which I've decided is the best song ever written by anyone. Um, just decided that now. Um, when he talks about two texts, his buddy, and he says, mm. um, let me see now. They call him two texts, he told two texts, and when he passed the something, he asked who's next, let me see. Now. Oh, yeah, uh, they call him two texts, he told two texts, and when he starts to bust, he likes to ask who's next. And then at the end, um, he says, uh, I just look, he just says, her tech got murdered in a town I never heard of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that kind of reality of just street life where you just kind of hear from someone one day, oh, yeah, he's dead him. Yeah, yeah. rare, never heard of it. <laughs> just yeah. the kind of mundane reality of that um, yeah i guess there's a there's a cartoonish quality to it as well i, I find especially uh, in give me the loot I, I think it's very cartoony sort of funny but violent song and obviously violence is never funny and particularly violence against women is never funny but the idea of um a woman dressed in a fur coat and diamonds and biggie kicking her in the back is quite (laughs) yes yes that's such a vivid image yeah yeah um so needlessly cruel yes Um, yeah because if someone's got their back turned as we see with uh, you know a great many kind of uh, uh, evidences of police brutality throughout this world of ours when someone has the back turned they're not Mm -hmm. much of a threat awesome um yeah kicking someone kicking a woman in the back and she's really probably a tory so I really like um, suicidal thoughts. I think it is as well. That's like it's sort of like even though it is like quite a bit a bit of a downer sort of thing. Mm. It's also uh, is it suicidal thoughts? Um, um, where where he says um, when I die, I want to go to hell because I'm a piece of shit. It ain't hard to fucking tell. Don't want, don't make no sense to go to heaven with the goody goodies. Um, you know, I, I, I think I really like, he, he just like revels in sort of being who he is. He's, he's not, it's not him sort of like, he, he's just sort of accepting who he is. Um, yeah. and the life he's had to lead kind of thing. And yeah. he's, he's just saying, you know, this is all I've ever known really. So really like, I know it's, I've not done, I've done some horrible stuff um to sort of survive on the streets and everything um but at the same time as well that is that when when you're when you're presented with that stuff every day of your life basically that becomes your amusement and that becomes your entertainment and that's what's fun um and that's part of my genetic makeup and that's part of what makes me me now so i mean in the long run really that's just who i am and you know if if i'm damned i'm damned basically yeah (laughs) yeah and there's a there's yeah, it's just that kind of anti-aspirational aspect. I guess going back to kind of good time a little bit, we talked about a few days ago, um, a character, a persona that's not only not repentant, the very thought of being repentant is so offensive to them and to you that they won't even give it any kind of daylight, you know. Yeah, it's great. Um, so Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, when I was 
Matt Brontman, I couldn't picture this. You know, yeah. he, he puts in some Sega and Nintendo there for you. Yeah, well. some lovely references. Um, and uh, I always get like uh, just lines when he says um, "sold out seats to hear Biggie Small speak." Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, but I'm a very emotional person, and this album like makes me very emotional as well. There's yes. parts that just yeah, bring yeah. tears to my eyes, and it's not yeah. necessarily the emotional bits. <laughs> it's just the bits where he says stuff like, "Oh, you know, like things that can be quite good actually," and like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's so much hope with in this talent I've got. This is going. Uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Particularly yeah. that song. Yeah, um, and it's sat and that song sounds so fucking beautiful as well. I mean, it's just you know, it's it's one of the great works of art of our time. Yeah, um, and it stands up to anything, doesn't it? I mean, uh, when he finally got into a studio for the first time, do you know what the first um, song he sampled was to? This is what sets Biggie apart because he he was thinking just on different different planes. The first song he um, he used to sample uh, wasn't like Curtis Mayfield or anything like that. Or uh, it was um, Toto. It was Africa by Toto. Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> when and he's again, like fourteen years old or whatever, fifteen years old in the studio for the first time. And Toto have um, very solid links to Black Art because they um, were musicians on Thriller. Mm. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played with with the great Michael. Did not Did you see that. as well that there's finally we're going to get? This will be an interesting couple of years to live through. Antoine Fuqua is going to direct the Michael Jackson biopic approved by the Jackson estate called oh. Simply Michael. Mm, that that, that makes the fact that it's approved by the Jackson estate. Uh, mind you, is the dad dead yet or what? Uh, I don't is he know. dead now? Probably should be though, shouldn't he? Let me just make sure he's dead. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty oh, sure he is. And so what's it like having a bunch of talented children, Mr. Jackson? Well, I batter them, don't I? And <laughs> what about when they sing good? When they sing good, I batter them. And yeah, he's dead. He died in 2018. Oh, good. Good, I don't yeah. have to, You don't have to worry about any kind of Biggie Smalls type ginger man <laughs> coming after us. <laughs> batter yeah. them. Batter yeah. them to keep the singing good, you see. He gets larynx nice and wet. Children are precious like fruit, because what you do is you cut them in half and you put them in a fucking juicer. And you get every <laughs> single bit of fucking talent out of them. And you, you take that and you make it money. You make it into gold. And you keep all your pennies. And you, you keep at them and at them and at them and at them. And when, when they're old and they develop psychosis or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you, you just, if they come at you, you give them the back of your hand because it's covered in rings fucking gold rings and you slap him about and say don't you dare don't you dare come at me I made you what you are I know patch so, yeah, yourself so- up because Morris Gibbs dropping by in 20 minutes and I want you all on best behaviour well, oh, it's a film about Michael it better be just about his fucking amusement park that's all I <laughs> right um, yeah with him dead it might be alright actually um, yeah, if, yeah. If they've managed to loosen the sort of um, the reins a bit, it might be well, alright. The press release said something like, "The film won't shy away from the difficult aspects of Michael's legacy." But I mean, mm. you know, you know, you couldn't even show Johnny Cash popping a pill in Walk the Line. So what fucking no. hope is Antoine Fuqua? <laughs> you know, that's so very just true. drafting the the Marvel um, Kevin Feige corporate algorithm, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> We will do 22 minute sequence on Bill Jean. 
but yeah, uh, so Michael Jackson. So the yeah, the film. Um, you've Fuqua. probably just heard the snooker balls there because I um, we went down a strange path, or I did yeah. anyway. Um, section so, redacted. Section redacted. Uh, we're back out of from that Amazon path onto a lovely tarmac road of the pod. Mm, um, so, what are you? Any any Springer's final thoughts on um, on Ready to Die, Paul? As the fists stop flying, my Springer final thought is just has to be heard to be believed um, and listen to just listen to it and uh, yeah, it's great. It's um, it's a work of genius, a staggering work of art by a, by a genius. And most, I guess, most great poets did their great work straight out the gate and Christopher Wallace was no different and it stands up against any work of poetry or any work of music that I've ever fucking come across and I've come across a bloody lot of them I'll tell you that lad <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what about you Steve for your vinyl thought no I'm I'm the same mate I, I completely agree I don't think there's a weak track on this album um, I think it's a, a beautiful album the Spotify has the uh, the remastered version on it, which is fine, but I think it, it, it packs more of a punch when it ends on Suicidal Thoughts, but uh, yeah. the remastered version has Who Shot You, which is a decent, it's all right track, and uh, just playing, um, which is sort of, I don't really like that as an ending. I don't like the remastered version ending too much. I like... I like yeah. It's got to finish with Suicidal Thoughts, right? Yeah. That's, you know, uh, yeah, put it on another fucking disc, you know? Exactly. Like, Give me what the artist gave me at the time of release. I'm not interested in George Lucas back crawling and stupid shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, I I can't tell if um, P. Diddy is, has tried to tie his sort of, you know, he's, he's either been riding Biggie's coattails for years and years and years, or if he was truly that in love with Biggie, it's one of the two. Definitely. Um, I, I think when because uh, he released Think You didn't he? he did a cover of um, the Sting uh, the Police song um, yeah. Missing You didn't I'll be, he I'll be missing you yeah yeah, yeah. for With, Biggie um, Smalls and yeah. that, that's quite a statement that's quite a statement of man love uh, I, f- I feel uh, but I think it's quite sweet either way um, and I yeah. think it's a lot more innocent than exploitative considering he's had an alright career ever since um, yeah and I think it's quite nice that um, that P Diddy is quite openly in love with Biggie Smalls. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's yeah. very it's nice. It's like the 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 all-consuming cleansing fire of genius, isn't it? You know, <laughs> like once touched by it, you can never quite uh, you can never quite cool off like that. No, college coach of uh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jordan was the only guy I could ever see who could turn it on and turn it off. Any never turn it off. Like I said, come round my house, Michael. Have my wife, please. Have my wife. <laughs> I got dial tone, but I still kept talking because I knew somewhere he could hear me. <laughs> Chill out, you're gonna have a heart attack. I stood in my kitchen. I just said, "My wife, take my wife, take my wife, take my wife, take my wife," until the wee hours in the morning. My tongue got weird after a while. Um, yeah, chill out. But yeah, fair fucks to P Diddy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's my P Diddy impression. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and pe- pe- I also peps like that with Messi. I find as well. 
Pep yeah. gets all all schoolgirly, yeah. all um, yeah. K-pop fanny about Messi. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, cleansing fire of genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so your eyeballs pop. Yeah, good lord. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of cleansing fire, it's time for us to say goodbye. So, uh, yeah, and we'll see you all next time to talk more stuff. And, uh, you know, if you like Biggie and that, you know, let us know, you know, whatever. Let us know what your favourite hip-hop album is and who your favourite hip-hop artist is. And... It was your goodest one. Yeah. So, thank you. You like Biggie. <laughs> yep. Gilly smokes brunt, blunts when they roll proper. Yeah, I'll take them any fucking way I can get them. Even mm. though I don't do that anymore, but still, you know. Um, yeah. 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 It's fine. Um, 